Good morning, people of God. Pastor Dewey Moda here from For God's Glory Load Ministries on the hub of New Mexico. Pastor Ricky Gordon asked me to give this message. He wanted me to record it, and I didn't record it this past Sunday in reserve at the First Baptist Church, so I'm recording it now as we feel you need to hear it. We all need to hear this message. God and country. It is based on Romans 13, 1 through 7. As we have just completed the weekend where what we call Memorial Day, we now are approaching Flag Day, the 4th of July. Flag Day, June 14th, 4th of July. And I've been thinking a lot about our country and praying for our country. Where are we headed? What's going to happen? Will we be attacked again? So much danger in the world more than ever in my lifetime. Will we ever get back to being the godly nation we once were? That's the question. Will we, America, ever get back to being the godly nation we once were? Though not as much anymore, we sometimes hear people talk about God and country. When I was growing up, people always talked about God and country. God and America. Have you really ever thought about what that means? How are those two things supposed to go together? What should it look like? In such a loose, immoral society as America is, is it possible? Yes, America is a loose, immoral society. Is it possible to be good Christians and good citizens at the same time? Or do we have to sacrifice our love for one in order to love the other? I think we can do both, good citizens and good Christians. Yes, I really believe that, that we can do that. In fact, according to the Bible, we have an obligation to be the best citizens we can be. I want you to read Romans 13, 1 through 7. This is one of those passages that some of us might prefer to skip over. It makes us uncomfortable at times. We don't want to be obedient to this one. As we look at it together, I hope all of us can gain some new insight and understanding about how God wants us to live on this earth, even if we are in disagreement with our leaders of our government. When we rebel against our leaders or the laws that have been put in place, we risk some form of judgment. Did you know that we currently have a large number of groups and organizations in the United States that are teaching or suggesting rebellion against the government? In 2008, there were 149 of these groups known to be in existence. Just four years later, in 2012, there were 1,360 documented militia or anti-government groups in the United States. I don't know what the current number is, but if it has continued at the same rate of growth, it's huge. It keeps growing. According to the Bible, Christians should not be part of those kinds of organizations. The book of Romans is not the only place where we find these kinds of warnings and instructions. In 1 Peter 2, 13-17, we've been given similar instruction. But before I read that passage, I want, to, I want you to understand, understand some background here. This letter was written to Christians who were suffering extreme oppression and persecution during the reign of Nero, a godless and brutal leader. The people of that day were imprisoned for their beliefs. They were punished and oppressed. They were sometimes killed for their beliefs. 1 Peter 2, 13-17, read that. John MacArthur wrote, Believers are to be model citizens. 
No one is law-abiding, not rabble-rousing. They are to be obedient rather than rebellious, respectful of government rather than demeaning of it. Believers are to be godly people, doing good and living peaceably within an ungodly society so that the saving power of God can be seen. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Living peaceably within an ungodly society like America today so that the saving power of God can be seen. Don't forget sovereignty, supreme and unlimited power over something. God is sovereign over the government of America. The first thing we need to remember is this. God is sovereign over the government. Verse 1, there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. What it means is this. God established the fact that government would be needed in order to have structure and organization in a society. Societies must have leaders and laws in order to prevent absolute chaos. Even as chaotic as the U.S. is now, America is in chaos. Can you imagine what it would be like without laws and leaders? When Paul wrote this letter to the Christians at Rome, the majority of their civil leaders were pagan, ungodly, non-believers. It would have been tempting for the Christians at Rome not to listen to them, but Paul tells them not to rebel against their leaders. He was basically saying, since God is the one who established systems of government, those who follow God are to be submissive to the governing authorities whether they agree with them or not. That doesn't mean that we should ignore God's word or that we should do things that are in violation of God's word. It simply means that we are to live holy lives no matter who is leading. Read verse 2. We find when we rebel against our leaders, we are dishonoring God and we bring judgment upon ourselves. That judgment that Paul speaks of may be the kind of judgment that God hands down or it may be the judgment that is handed down by those in authority. When you get angry and agitated over government decisions, stop and remember who's really in charge. Romans 13, 3-4, read it. These two verses really describe God's purposes for government. To do good, to restrain evil like Syria and North Korea. The easiest way to relate these verses to our lives is to think about policemen. They're part of our government system. When you hear a siren and see red lights coming behind you, what do you do? You start braking, right? You look at the speedometer if you're speeding. You check to make sure your seatbelt is on. You think about your insurance card. Is it current? You might think about even your tag on the plate. Is it current? Yes. I start freaking out. Ah! Everything is in order. You breathe easier. You're not so afraid. But if you've broken the law, you feel nervous and afraid because you know the government has the power and authority to punish you for breaking the law. When people live good, moral, God-fearing lives, there's no fear of government or punishment or judgment. When people live good, moral, God-fearing lives, there should be no fear of government or punishment or judgment. How many of you believe that democracy is the best form of government? I would agree that a nation based on the principles of democracy is best, but we need to remember one thing. Our Constitution was written assuming that the citizens of this land would be moral, God-fearing people, not like America today. Remember, our Constitution was written assuming that the citizens of this land would be moral, God-fearing people. And when you have those kind of people living under that kind of government, you have democracy at his best. But I see one problem with democracy. It becomes whatever the people become. It becomes whatever the people become. If the people become godless, the government becomes godless. If the people become immoral, the government follows suit. 
the government reflects the moral standing of the majority. The government reflects the moral standing of the majority. Democracy, though it's usually the best, has the capability of becoming an evil form of government if the people are evil. There are some who believe we should go back to the Old Testament form of government known as theocracy. That means that all men live under the rule of one God. He gives the orders. He appoints his spokesman. Doesn't sound too bad, does it? Well, it is. Let me give you some examples. Afghanistan, governed by Islam. Iran, governed by Islam. Saudi Arabia, governed by Islam. Tibet, governed by Buddha. In Old Testament times, Israel was under a theocracy where God was the ruler, and he gave the laws, and the prophets and priests were his spokesmen. But as time went by, people began to rebel. They didn't want to listen to his spokesman. They didn't want to follow a God they couldn't see. They wanted their own kings. So, God allowed them to have their own kings. Then what happened? It wasn't long before they began having problems with their kings. There were good kings and there were bad kings. There were helpful kings and there were hurtful kings. There were kings who honored God and there were kings who hated God. The result? Utter chaos. Chaos. But here's something I want you to remember. No matter what form of government, democracy, theocracy, monarchy, pagan, godly or godly, God has always been able to work in them and through them to accomplish His will. God has always been able to work in them and through them to accomplish His will. He is sovereign over the government, and He will always bring His will to completion, even if it seems as though He's being stomped underfoot, like today in America. Since his master plan includes the use of his faithful followers to help him accomplish his will, what does that mean for us? It means that we need to be good citizens and continue to do his will. We we need to be good citizens and continue to do his will. Seek God's grace upon our nation. As I think back through history, I'm amazed that our nation ever came into existence in the first place. And I'm really surprised that we've continued to exist, enjoying all the freedoms and blessings that we have today. Of all the nation's empires and empires of the world, the United States has long been the only real superpower. For most of our existence, other nations have looked to us for help in troubled times when natural disaster strikes. What do you think? Why do you think that is? Luck of the draw? Was it because our founding fathers were so smart? Why do you think God chose to bless and pour out His grace upon this nation for so many years? I'll tell you why. Our founding fathers sought his guidance and protection in forming a republic unlike any other. It was their desire to build a nation that was dedicated to living under God's word and God's principles. And as a result, God has richly blessed this one nation under God. But let me take you further back in history and call your attention to something that was said by the prophet Isaiah. It's a warning. Isaiah forty fifteen. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. What happens to a drop in a bucket? It quickly evaporates. What happens to dust on a scale? It is wiped or blown away. We should read Isaiah's words and be reminded of how fragile and temporary we really are. No matter how powerful we may seem to the rest of the world, God knows that we are only a disaster or two away from destruction. If God chose to do so, he could blow us away just as easy as the dust gets blown down away from a scale. It is God's desire to see the U.S. continue. Is it God's desire for the U.S. to fall into destruction? 
I really can't answer that. But I do believe he will allow us to be brought down if we continue walking in opposition to his will. Look at history. Look at the things that have happened during your lifetime. Look at the things that have happened during our nation's existence. Read the Old Testament and count the times that God has allowed countless other nations to be brought to destruction simply because they would not repent and turn back to Him. Read the Old Testament, my friend, and count the times that God has allowed countless other nations to be brought to destruction simply because they would not repent and turn back to Him. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that right here in the United States of America, God and country are quickly separating. God and country are quickly separating. So how do we bring God and country back together? Conversion. People need to be led to Christ. Holy living God's people have got to honor him in their lives. God's people have got to honor him in their lives. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I hope you notice that he's not addressing the non-Christian community. This passage is not directed at unbelievers. He's saying it's God's people who need to straighten up. We are the ones who need to humble ourselves. We are the ones who need to pray. We are the ones who need to seek his face. We are the ones who need to turn from our wicked ways. If we ever expect to see our nation get back on track, we are going to need God-fearing leaders. And if we're going to have God-fearing leaders, they're going to have to come from the majority vote. And in order to have a godly majority, we Christians are going to have to practice holy living and evangelism. Sitting in church on Sunday is good, but it's not good enough. We have to connect with people and invite people and talk with people about the one thing that really matters— the one thing that will change lives and change the course of history, Jesus Christ our Lord. If people's thinking never changes, our country will never change. If people's thinking never changes, our country never will. And if our country doesn't change, we're all going to experience hardship and judgment. We need to remember that God is sovereign over the government. We need to remember to seek God's grace upon our leaders. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I find it interesting that it specifies kings and all those in authority. Listen, the United States of America is still the greatest nation on earth. We enjoy the greatest blessings of any nation in existence, any nation in history. We have more freedom than anyone else on the planet in history. If we are truly God's children, we need to thank Him every day for allowing us to live here. And we must be obedient to his word by praying for those in leadership. Our president, senators and congressmen, local leaders, governor, mayor, city leaders, all who are in authority over us. As you think about all that has been said today, and more importantly, all that has been read today, don't forget where your true citizenship really is. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Read it. No matter how bad it gets on earth, Heaven awaits all those who have trusted Jesus to deliver them from evil. But until we get there, till we go there, let's do our best to bring God and country back together. Praise God for his glory alone. I'm Pastor Dewey Modi.